0: Hey, welcome everyone. Uh, this is going to be a, a special broadcast because my computer won't work. So we're not going to be able to do tour portions tonight. Um, I had uh, traveled across the country for a funeral for a family member and I brought my desktop computer with me as long uh, along with all my files that I needed for um, for this broadcast. But when I got here to my destination, I can't get my monitor to actually Work so um, that's where you know basically I'm just using my laptop right now and I as of today I still couldn't get my monitor to actually help me access the regular computer so um, so basically I won't be able to do tour portions tonight but I didn't want to have to reschedule this um, I'm gonna have to reschedule this but I, d- I just wanted to make use of everyone that's already here as far as you know didn't want to disappoint everyone again you know with with having to reschedule this broadcast but um, so I just wanted to do a scripture talk uh, for as much as anyone had any questions that they wanted to ask, we're welcome to to dive in and do some of that. And I'm just here on my laptop at this uh, Airbnb that we're at. So it's not the normal setting. This isn't my house behind me. And um, so if you do have any questions about the Bible, about scripture, about any of our videos, anything that we teach or have we've talked about or tried to break down and dissect, you're welcome to ask any questions you may have. And uh, that way, we can at least hang out tonight a little bit together, you know? So I apologize. Won't be able to to do the normal tour portion tonight, but if you have any questions, um, I want to say a big thank you to all the moderators that are here in the chat tonight and, uh, just put your, your questions in all capitalization. That way the moderators and myself can easily see them. And then you can, you know, get your question asked, um, So, thank you guys for being here. It looks like we got a lot of familiar names in the chat tonight. Andy Carter's back, Nami Sky, taking back Eden F.E., Elizabeth Borenson, son of Sanctified, G.R. Cleve, Rachel Sung, welcome everyone. Hannibal's back, Chase is here, Carrie M., Elizabeth Borenson, uh, I already said your name, Elizabeth, Crispy Chips, James Henry, welcome, Miss Marsh is here tonight. Moo Garner, Jason Kenny, Carrie M., Alico, welcome everybody. Welcome. It's, uh, it's just, uh, basically taking, you know, trying to travel and trying to continue doing live broadcasts is, is why you don't see a lot of people do that because it's just difficult. Um, especially with what I do as far as, you know, actually having a backdrop with a green screen, having multiple lights, uh, having my desktop set up so I can have multiple screens to access scriptures and, and, you know, uh, try to make it as, Um, presentable as possible as far as your experience, you know, and and what you see. And so you're not distracted by, you know, what, what, who's ran, what random bed is this at this Airbnb I'm standing in the background, you know, just little stuff like that can distract people. So that's why I tried to bring everything with me so we could accomplish this uh, while we're on this trip, but it just didn't, it's not working out. So we're going to have to just kind of improvise. Uh, Rachel Sung is asking, how did you realize Yahweh's law is eternal? Uh, well, I think it was, I think it was when I was studying Genesis 17 and I was studying um, the covenant of, you know, Yahweh was established with Abraham and, and then later on in with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, all three of them. And it was really more of the, um, he was saying, you know, you and your descendants will be able to to inherit and live in this land forever. And I was like. Okay. That's interesting. And then of course, Genesis 26.5, Abraham is commended for doing the judgments, precepts, ordinances, statutes, commandments of Yahweh. And I thought, all right, so if that's, if that's what qualified him as a disciple of God, a disciple of Yahweh, and that was part of the covenant terms, you know, and then I cross-referenced that with Ezekiel 37, where, you know, Yahweh promises, I think it's verses 17 to 24. Yahweh promises to, at the new covenant, he'll put his, his laws in our heart, His spirit, give us a new spirit, uh, and, and put His laws in us, so that, so that we will do them forever. And so I thought, okay, so if I'm gonna, if I'm promised to live in this land of promise with the Father and the Son, and He's going to put, his, and and that's going to be forever. I'm going to live in there forever with the Father and the Son. That means I have to get to that point of eternal life. You know, the John three sixteen promise that Yeshua gives us eternal life by us believing in Him for our salvation. You know, and that He does that through His priesthood. He accomplishes that salvation through his priesthood. So me understanding those concepts together and thinking, all right, well, if Abraham's promised eternal life, that means he's going to be resurrected. Hebrews 11. I I went to Hebrews 11, a cross reference, like, oh yeah, he knew that, that Yahweh was the God of resurrection. And if I'm going to live forever with him in his house, and he tells me he's going to put his laws on my heart, that I may do them, then I'm going to be doing them forever. So then I was like, well, then what, why would I think that there? if I'm going to be doing that behavior forever going forward in the future, why would I think that that behavior wasn't around before that? You know, it's like, why would I think that he just suddenly came up with this behavior um, and just started giving it to people on earth? You know, and so that's what led me to start studying the definition of the word righteous. And I started to realize, oh, he's called righteous because he's doing this particular behavior. And this is what righteousness is. And this and then, you know, I researched the word righteousness to realize it means your your manner of life, your course of action, your behavior um, towards right behavior. So then it reminded me of all these other verses that I would read about Yahweh saying that this is my ways. And I thought I wondered to myself, I was like, I wonder if that's like a English, like a loose English translation of the idea. Like, what does he mean? His ways. So then I went to, you know, one that I could remember, Psalm 119, one through three, and I started to realize, okay, so he's saying that his ways are higher than, and his ways are eternal, and his ways are pure and just and sound and right, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing several verses right now, but, but so I just, I, then I looked up the use of that Hebrew word that's used for Yahweh's ways, and I, and it's the same word as his, as a righteous concept, is mean, it's his course of action, it's his behavior, and I was like, oh, well, that's, So he's just going to give us at the resurrection. He's going to put in us a new heart that just has his behavior. So if we're going to do that forever, and that's, that's literally how we live in his house with him forever. Then that means he's already doing that behavior. You know, like he, and that's, this is the way he acts. This is the way the creator, you want to know how, what, what does the creator look like? What's he like? How does he behave? What's it like to be around him? Well, look at the, the outline of the Torah, you know, look at the outline of uh, the, the behavior that's called righteousness in the Bible. The, the behavior that Yeshua exemplified his son who perfectly behaved like his father. And uh, to me, I was just like, oh, well, this is easy. You know, this is not something made up or just suited for a specific time period or certain age of dispensation. No, this is literally the, the creator's behavior. and He doesn't change. Um, so. It's eternal. Yes. Psalm 119. That's right. Your righteousness is everlasting righteousness and your law is the truth. So this, if we break it down according to its words, it means it's saying that Yahweh, your right behavior is everlasting right behavior and your Torah, your law, your instruction is the truth. So this is a, uh, it's been in the, the, the book the whole time. It's just we have to get through our own bad filters that we've received from other men um, that complicate things unnecessarily. And so this, it's been in this book the whole time. It's just we, He just wants us to do his behavior. Um, taking back Eden. If he's asking if I got your email, brother or sister, I'll have to check. Um, I don't remember. I apologize guys. Once again, announcement, you know, I get more emails and messages than I can keep up with. So I do sincerely apologize if you've tried to message me and I haven't been able to respond in, in your expectation of how quick you'd like me to respond. Um, I, it just, especially when I'm traveling and we didn't fly, we actually traveled. So we were driving for two days. Um, and that on top of my regular schedule is just, uh, I don't have time to get to everybody's question. I try every day to answer messages, emails, and people that are tagging me in social medias, you know, asking me questions or trying to enter, you know, get me to interact in a post. Um, that's in addition to what I'm doing, you know, with other things outside of this. So I apologize. I will try to look for your email and, and see if I can give you a response if it's, um, uh, if, if I'm available, hopefully, sometimes you know, and I haven't—I don't know—I haven't seen the email. I guess so. I don't know what what it's asking, but sometimes people email me like entire novels. You know, they they email me like twenty different questions that are just peppered inside of a novel of description and their thoughts and how they tested things in the past and how they found us and and I, we're all extremely grateful. We're all flattered. We thank you so much for the time it took you to write it, but. I don't always have time to, to address every single little point because sometimes it would require breaking down how you came to that conclusion, which is its own mini novel and then bringing in the right answer. So like, it just, this is why I do the live Q and A's. This is why I offer these on almost the end of every video. I try to offer a a live Q and A and then sometimes do an entire video of Q and A so that you can come and ask me live. And in real time, you don't have to wait for me to find, find your email and then try to uh, try to address it at length. I'll, I try to answer them in real time. So this is why I started doing this about a year ago um, as much as I can to offer live q and because I don't know how to solve the problem. Honestly, I don't know how to address everybody that's uh, writing me letters and ask me questions and people get their feelings hurt. And I'm just, you know, I, I can't solve that problem. I'm just one person. They're, I don't have a team of people that are in our ministry that are helping address email inquiries or letters. We don't have standardized responses that we send out to people. We don't. It's just me like, you know, Lindsay tries to help me occasionally when she can. um, But ultimately, there's some questions she doesn't know the answer to. So, um, you know, I'll have to it would be directed towards me. You know, so therefore I I try to do my best, guys. But I thank you for your patience if I haven't gotten back to one of your messages or emails. Mark Twain. Um, it's gonna be as soon as I can, brother. I'm, I'm still working on solidifying. So it's a two part. The next part of the Investing in Valence series, part nineteen and twenty. It's two parts, so I'm gonna be working on that. Um, I've have been working on that, but I'm compiling a lot of different concepts and things so that it can be. It's gonna be in like a power pack, five hours, so it's not a normal presentation. Um. And I just don't know, I don't know the exact date yet, but it's going to be, it's going to be in December for sure. We all, have, we all... all right, guys. I'm just trying to check out some extra questions here. If you have a question, please put it in all capitalization. Uh, Moo Garner is asking why are angels addressed in Revelation and not the churches themselves? And he's he's referring to Revelation chapter one through three. Where the seven different churches um, in uh, the, the region of Asia Minor on um, Anatolia is what it's called at certain points in history. Um, but it's thus where those seven different churches are, and that's where the angels is addressing. Now, why using the term angel as opposed to um, the specifically like uh, the church themselves? Well, because a church would have over it a leader, a deacon, a pastor, an elder, someone in authority over that. And oftentimes this word angelos or agalos, which is the Greek version for the translated English word angel doesn't always refer to celestial beings. So it can refer to the leader of a certain place who is the messenger of that region or whatever. And there's multiple times in the book of Matthew or no, I'm sorry. I think it's the book of John that um, uh, a man is referred to as an angel. So this is this concept that you're asking about is debated among scholars. Um, I personally would lean towards it speaking to the leaders of those churches that who would be the messenger to take this message to that church, whether it's a blessing or a reprimand. Um, And then that's one of the uses of that Greek word angel. And it's not specifically referring to a celestial being, um, but people debate, you know, and they would think, well, isn't sometimes they would think, well, maybe there's an angel over that church. It's very possible too. But then that angel would then have to go communicate that message but the angels themselves you know aren't being reprimanded for bad behavior it's the church so this is where i would lean towards my understanding of it which would be it's speaking to whatever leader of that church and that's why john who would be the apostle over the leaders of those churches would be the one to deliver the message from god through yeshua through the angel that gives the vision of john to john in Revelation who then could go to those churches and communicate that there's a hierarchy involved. And so that's why I lean on my understanding. Like I do as far as it referring to men leaders and not angel leaders. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, G.R. Cleave, if when we do that, uh, the long, the long episode, 19 and 20 of investigating Babylon, I'll definitely have to take a break myself in between. We'll do like some sort of intermission, you know, In between, uh, because it's basically going to be two separate broadcasts. I'll just be doing it back to back. So, yeah. All right, Chase, thanks for the super chat, brother. I appreciate that. I see you. All right, so you're asking, or you're saying, I'm sure we agree on this, but I want to make sure I lost my only son at three months old. In your opinion, will I see him at the resurrection? I've done my research, but I'll recall hearing your thoughts on this topic. 100% yes, brother. Yes. In my understanding, 100% yes. He's in the resurrection. This is even in the prayer of David when he lost um, his son that was born through Bathsheba. I'm sorry, one second, guys. Sorry, I had a, had a coughing fit. Yes, so this is going to be with um, David's praying and he's mourning for, but he knows the judgment that came upon some of the uh, extenuating circumstances of his affair with Bathsheba. She um, <clears throat> she ended up giving birth to, I believe it was stillborn. Maybe the baby died. He was praying that she wouldn't die. Um, the baby did die and he stops mourning once the baby's dead and gets up to eat. And the people come to him and they're asking, you know, why 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 are you not mourning? He's like, Well, I know that I'll see them again. So he he already had this hope and this understanding. And Paul and excuse me, David absolutely understood the resurrection and the promise of the covenant. And so he already had an understanding that the baby, this is why I believe all aborted babies and all children um will be in the resurrection. Just because, you know, they it's not their choice, right? They didn't even have a chance to do good or wrong. But a lot of people like to uh, uh, get a lot of people get their feelings hurt from Catholic doctrine. that talks about original sin and tries to promote this idea that even a baby in the womb is somehow sinful. And you're like, they haven't even done anything yet, you know. And it depends on how they're twisting the word sin, if they're using the idea of the sin nature, which sometimes Paul can refer to as being in a body of death, referring to the idea that we live in a mortal body that's finite, that that has an expiration date, the body is, you know, has a, it's going to fade out at some point, right? Versus having a, versus having a, a an eternal glorified body, um, this is the big difference, I should say, uh, with understanding the nature of your actions. If you had, if you don't even really have any actions in this life, cause you're still in the womb. Uh, I, I see no place in scripture. Um, and I agree with David's sentiment that that baby's going to go ahead and, and you know, the father was going to resurrect and give them eternal the life. <clears throat> it wasn't their choice if, you know, the, the mother lost the child, uh, early on. In fact, I actually am kind of extreme on this where i would take it to the age of accountability that i see in the torah for young men and women which is 20 years old so this to be seems as if the father treats with different uh standards of judgment if you will um not that he's accepting a bribe not that he's being unrighteous but actually because he is righteous and merciful he is seeing that there is a a stages of development for mankind um, where consequences suddenly apply. And so to me, from what I gleaned from the Torah, it seems as if 20 years old would be the, the age of, of true accountability. Um, because that was the age that they could join the war. That was the age for volunteer, uh, ministering with the priesthood. Um, as far as servants for the Levites, that was the age of the census. That was, it, it just, it, to me, it seemed, um, 20 years old was the standard. Um, and that's, that is admittedly me speculating a little bit from what I see in the tour, since it's not directly spelled out, but absolutely a son or daughter of three months old. That that passes away, you'll see them in the resurrection. It's going to be amazing. Absolutely amazing. And it uh, looks like we had a couple super chats um, taking back Eden Effie. I really appreciate it. Thank you for the super chat. You're saying uh, on Effie on eyes and face. Um. I don't know. Is that part two of a, yeah, I apologize. I, um... it's like a two part, I guess, from nose concerns. Yeah. I apologize. I'm not sure what you're trying to say. I apologize. Um, but thank you so much for the support. And I don't know if, I don't know what you're trying to say. It seems like incomplete sentences are kind of broken up, but uh... Yeah, if you, if you do have a, a specific question, just yeah, try to make it, um, you know, try to make it in a, a succinct sentence so I can have a chance. I don't know if it's getting broken up because it was in two in two different, it was too big for the chat and it's been broken up automatically by YouTube or what? So I apologize. I'm not, I'm not catching that. Uh, Crispy Chips is asking, apologies, son, someone wrote me just as you came on, but are we not looking at yeah, Chris, we, uh, this is what I was saying. I'm not, I go back and check out the beginning of the video and I explain why I'm not doing the tour portion tonight uh, because my computer's not working in circumstances. So I'm here on my laptop just trying to do an impromptu Q&A since, uh, since we're going to have to reschedule a second time this particular tour portion this week. So, Yeah, Mim Henderson, yes, babies past the womb would apply the same as I, as I gave the answer that I gave to Chase um, about babies passing at three months. Yeah, just remember, just remember, family, uh, it's not God's will that any should perish, but that all should be saved. He didn't create mankind just to see them, you know, destroyed. Like he didn't create, create, give the spark of life into the womb of a woman um, after, the, after her union with a man to create a baby in order just to kill them and the like fire, destroy them. Or, you know, what I mean, like that's just that um, that is not at all. That's not at all why he creates life. And I just, um, yeah, I guess this conversation is a good one, but I guess it kind of gets more clear for folks when they truly understand what the lake of fire is. The lake of fire is for the unrighteous and your soul is destroyed. Your body's destroyed. Your soul is destroyed. It's, it's not eternal life. Eternal life is only given to the righteous, to those who are resurrected, to those who are you know in the family of God and under the authority of Yeshua and his priesthood, those who come in faith and belief, who, get the promise of the covenant that you're resurrected. Those are the only ones in all of creation that are promised eternal life. The second death, as described in conjunction with the lake of fire, is where your body and your soul are destroyed forever. That word is annihilated, destroyed. Look up, uh, it's the word Gehenna in Matthew 10, 28, where Yeshua tells us that it's God who destroys the body and the soul in the lake of fire in Gehenna. So this is not a place where people live forever. It's a place where you're destroyed forever. To have your flesh destroyed means it's brought to nothing. To have your soul destroyed means it's brought to nothing. And those two things are gone. There's nothing else in you. There's nothing else to keep staying alive. And this is why it's not a place of eternal life. It's a place of the second death, the finality. You're taken out of existence. So as a result of that, with the proper understanding of what those words actually mean, according to their definitions, then we understand, okay, so if a baby dies in the womb, There's only, you know, they, then they have, they can't be judged for anything they've done. There's only one other place for them. It's the resurrection. And David knew this. That's why he, he understands this and communicates this when asked about the, the baby that, that died, that was born through uh, Bathsheba. Uh, Ease up thoughts. You know, I don't, I don't know. I I don't proclaim to be a a biblical archaeological scholar. So I'm not sure what I would debate this particular Dr. Josh Bowen about specifically, as far as I know you're saying evidence of Exodus. I get it. But I I honestly, I mean, I have to get familiar with his work and see what he's even saying. I don't know your contention with his work and what he's saying. Um, But there are a lot of good biblical scholars out there that may be more well-qualified than I am to do a debate like that. Um, Ruben, appreciate you. You're dropping a super chat. Thank you so much for your support. Saint, can you all pray for me? I got Delta and turned into pneumonia. <clears throat> I'm in hospital now. I almost died. I'm doing better now. I just need to get out of there just, just to get out, to be there for my wife. Oh, absolutely, brother. We'll lift you up for sure. Still right now, you know, Father, just we ask you absolutely Give him strength, guide his medical counsel to get him healed and well and out of there as fast as possible. Uh, We ask you to just give him favor while he's there so that you uh, can allow, just work on his body to get healed as fast as possible Uh, so we can get out and get back to his family. So we thank you, Father, and we just lift that prayer up. We lift up Reuben in Yeshua's name. Amen. Yeah brother. We'll be lifting you up for sure. Okay, so uh, taking back Eden, if he's I think you're trying to clarify. you're asking if I see the similarities between arguably our most precious sense eye and a flat Earth model uh we actually don't really uh i mean i understand it's fe is but we always just refer to as biblical creation model and i've talked about this in other other broadcasts the reason why we started doing that was because when people use that term fe or flat earth um there's so much negative propaganda surrounding it as people think it's a disk of land floating in space with water falling off the edge but that whole scenario is not what the bible describes you know it's the bible describes a Multiple firmaments enclosing the area that the land the circle of the earth that we live on. And so it's a totally different model. And this is what we try to talk about an oncoming ground versus what the world shows people as a flat earth model. And so I understand it's it's kind of you know semantics really, but um, <clears throat> but with that in mind, the reason why I'm saying that to clarify is because if you look at the model that we've that we've presented with the multiple firmaments and and the circle of the earth and everything, it would only the, only the lower layer, I should say, may fit into this comparison that I see you trying to make, which is the dome over the eye. The eye, I guess you're looking at the iris uh, being the actual meat of the, of the eye itself. But even at that, that's curved to a degree, whereas it seems as if the circle of the earth is, is uh, a flat piece of land with contoured valleys and mountains in, you know, encased in, in oceans covered by a firmament that does is described as a vaulted firmament a vaulted dome shaped firmament. So I, I can definitely see, uh, similarities for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And it would, it would make sense, you know, cause the father, um, the father is, you know, consistent with a lot of his designs, you know, All right, early adopter. Can you comment on the common messianic teaching of the Aleph Tav and the Torah being Yeshua? Yeah. Um, How do I say this? Yeah. How do I say this? I know this is a popular topic for Saffir enthusiasts, Um, and we love Dr. Pidgeon. We just try to draw people's attention to the fact of the history of our scriptures, of how from approximately the 2nd century AD to the ninth century AD, the Pharisees had the scriptures, their collection of scrolls of scriptures, In their possession to create the the best translation that they wanted. This is why we've shown in different videos where we have statements from certain second century believers like Justin Martyr and Irenaeus, the, the Bishop of Lyons, who were trying to address the problem that they saw with those Pharisees in that era tinkering with the scriptures to hide Yeshua and literally by chopping out certain places in the prophets i've actually done an entire video on this on my channel go to my milk and meat playlist and I, there's a, in that playlist is is a video titled uh, "Proving the pharisees um tried to hide Yeshua in scripture or something something to that effect i can't remember the title of the name right now but um and i review the differences between the masoretic and the septuagint text which came approximately a thousand years before the Masoretic text was finally edited and finished. And the the Masoretic text from the 8th and 9th century AD is where most modern English translations derive their translation. So therefore, when we look in the quote-unquote Hebrew, we're not looking technically in the Paleo-Hebrew from the 5th century BC. You're looking at an edited Hebrew version from 1400 years later by uh, the rabbinic pharisees the masorites so did they put the Aleph Tav everywhere in there for some reasoning within the hebrew language I'm, i don't claim to be a hebrew scholar was it always in there i don't have an original paleo manuscripts to compare is the Aleph Tav specifically just referring to yeshua the whole time i think that kind of leans on the debate of who do we think is given the message in revelation one where it says i'm the and the top i'm the alpha and the omega you see what i mean because a lot of people miss that revelation one one is a message from god almighty the father through his son through an angel down to john they think because people modern translators put some of the words in revelation in red they think it's jesus giving the message the whole time but it's really god the almighty the father Given his message to his son, the high priest of the covenant, king of heaven and earth, who then passed that message down to an angel that was tasked and commissioned to take that message to John on the island of Patmos. So that process is why the words can say, I'm the Aleph and the Tav. But it also can be Yeshua talking, like in Revelation chapter 2, right? Because Yeshua doesn't say or do anything outside of what his father says and does. So their message is the same, if that makes any sense. Um, is Yeshua the Aleph and the Tav as far as conceptually? Like, is he the beginning and the end? Well, he's definitely not before his father. That's why the father is called the father and the son is called the son. The son comes after the father. So unless we're leaning on Trinitarian doctrine and we're conflating the, the role and the personhood of the father and the son... Trying to make them both the Aleph and the tav, then the Aleph and the tav doesn't quite fit Yeshua. If you're looking at an ontological statement, meaning who came first? The, I'm sorry, guys. One, one second. Got a dog's going crazy in the background. Um, so there's there's a couple way to look. There are a couple ways you could look at this. All right, and this is where um, if we're just looking strictly at the text and the manuscripts, I have I, I don't know where I could actually compare. To come to the conclusion of whether or not the Paleo-Hebrew from the fifth, from Ezra's, uh, Ezra's scribal efforts in the 5th century BC matches the Masoretic efforts in ninth century AD. Okay, so that's from a scholarly academic standpoint. Okay, so therefore then people look at what's in the Hebrew Masoretic text and then they say, okay, well, what can we conjecture about this Aleph and Tav that we see layered throughout? Was it a part of the original language? Was it was it something that's denoted? Once it's um, um, basically, it's a it becomes it becomes you know it's, it's from my understanding, it becomes some guesswork. So, is it wrong to guess that that Yeshua is layered through as the Aleph and the Tav through multiple scriptures? Uh, as far as these little notes, you know, inside the letters and between the words, and no not really um it's not really wrong it's just but if it leads you to to profess in the trinity well i think that's starting to adding conjecture upon conjecture um to get you off you know away from understanding the role of yeshua as our high priest and why he was sent but um but ultimately it seems as if it's uh hard to to prove it sounds like a fascinating conjecture i do believe that the word is yeshua who was made flesh um, and dwelt among us, right? John 1, 1 through 3 and 1, 1, 14. But it's just hard to compare with with limited access to ancient manuscripts in the original Paleo Hebrew. Maybe that's the best way I can answer that. So it's an interesting question, brother. Thank you. Um, Hannibal, I'd have to do some further study. on. I Second Baruch is not my strongest book as far as having every chapter memorized. So I have to do a, a bit stronger study to give you a proper answer on this. So I apologize. I won't be able to answer that tonight. Okay. I think I missed a few questions up here earlier. Looks like some of the chat is still having a question about the lake of fire. Yeah, the, the, there's idiomatic phrases in scripture that talk about where the, um, uh, the fires never quenched and the worms never die. That is a, uh, a phrase, an idiomatic phrase used of destruction in the past, where if the worms did die, then that means that the process of destruction was stopped or someone was healed and saved. But if the worms did not die, that was a complete full destruction of the body. Uh, meaning that there there was no saving moment there was no salvation of that person's body um, or circumstance that it was a finality in in their destruction um same and with the fires never quenched that's a part of the lake of fire as promised being in the from my understanding being in the king's valley of the new jerusalem where it's overseen by yeshua so it's it's never going to go out it's never going to go away it's a the the fires will never stop. It's not going to be anyone that's thrown in the lake of fire. There will not be a moment where they someone puts out the fire or they quench the fire, and there's never going to be there's no one's going to stop that judgment from taking place. That once that judgment is declared, and the angels throw those bodies in the lake of fire, they'll be just the soul and body will be destroyed forever. So that's that's why it's spoken of like that. It's, there is a Hebraic idiom that is used inside of there. One second, guys. If I get my, hopefully if my stream doesn't go out, I can't get my internet to work. Let me see here, it looks like. All right, Richie is asking, is Ezekiel sixteen one through nine speaking about a woman or Jerusalem? Let's go let's go check it out. Let's look at Ezekiel sixteen one through nine. Okay. I always try to look beyond just a particular passage. I want to look at the whole chapter possible um, as well as previous, you know. All right. But it looks like in the first verse that we have a, this prophet Ezekiel is doing a similar thing to what Yeshua did as a prophet and speaking to a rebellious generation specifically The leadership being within the the city of Jerusalem as the capital of Israel, where in verse one of Ezekiel 16, he says, again, the word of the Lord came to me saying, son of man, comfort Jerusalem with her abominations and tell her that this is what the Lord God says to her. Your origin and your birth were in the land of the Canaanites. As many of you guys know that the physical city itself was was um, like he just says in the land of the Canaanites. Um, Your father was an Amorite, your mother a Hittite, because this is why David ended up taking Jerusalem over from the Gibeonites later is on the day of your birth your, your core was not cut nor were you were washed with water for cleansing this is referring to par- parabolically referring to human birth as well in certain ways you were not rubbed with salt or wrapped in clothes no one cared enough for you to do even one of these things out of the compassion for you instead you were thrown out in the open field because you were despised on the day of your birth then I passed by and saw you wallowing in your blood and as you lay there in your blood I said live there I said you live I made you thrive like a plant of the field you grew up and matured and became very beautiful your, uh, and he goes on to, ex- to give human personification to the city. And then I passed by, saw you and you were indeed old enough for love. I spread my cloak over you and cover your nakedness. pledge pledged myself to you to enter into covenant with you. became mine, to close the Lord, that I bathe you with water, rinse you off. Um, he goes on, to, because of your fame, you trusted beauty and played. you played the harlot. You lavished your favors and others who passed by. So, yes, um. This is one of those passages where he's talking about a city, but he's obviously referring to the people inside their rulers inside the city and how they've treated the city. That's why I talked about your birth from an Amorite and a Hittite. But then later on, when the Lord took you up, that's when Israel came in and actually took possession of the city of David in Jerusalem. Then the covenant was being portrayed. Supposedly righteousness was supposed to be done in the city. So it's speaking about Jerusalem with personification of a woman, but also addressing the abominations done on her by her corrupt leaders to which judgment is coming in the days of Ezekiel the same thing was happening where the, the rulers the priesthood had been corrupted but stayed within mm-hmm. Jerusalem and continued to call it the city of the Lord which was uh, an abomination right and it shouldn't have been I mean they were they were if they weren't going to do covenant behavior they were supposed to you know go ahead and leave the land right and and let other people do covenant behavior who want to stay in the land, but. Instead, they just kept corrupting the land and the city with their abominations. So it's female personification put on a city, just as we see very often it's done with cities whom there's good or bad behavior inside of it. So hopefully it's a help to you. Yeah, um, ease up thoughts. Yeah, if you like some of New Jerusalem, stick around. We we talk about it all the time on this channel. In fact, we just began a new series called Kingdom Come. That's going to be diving into all of the descriptions of the kingdom. So I think you'll like that. Stay tuned. All right, Jason Kinney asking about, man, that was like three years ago, brother. Um, Jeremiah 22, asking about a debate that I hosted for um, a guy and Matthew Jansen together. And they were talking about the validity and lineage of Yeshua. One of them was an anti-missionary who who was trying to sway people away from Yeshua. So very often, we're going to go to this verse and look at it, but many, many times their arguments are pulled out of context, right? They're not taking the definitions of the words. They're not looking at the of context. And so they're coming to assumptions based off of cherry-plucked verses or ideas. So let's just go take a quick look here in Jeremiah 22. And we're going down to 28 through 30. And, uh, oh, actually, you know, we even covered this a couple a couple weeks ago. And um, um, we covered this a couple weeks ago in the Torah portions, Talking about Koniah and his unrighteous, unrighteous um, behavior. Uh, as one of the sons of, I think it was Jehoiachin, and so basically, Coniah uh, was not was not righteous, and Yahweh basically promised him that his lineage would not continue on the throne after that. And so, um, this is what happens with Coniah specifically. He and his sons are killed, and they do not continue on the throne. I think it was Zedekiah took over after that. So, this a lot of uh, anti-Missionaries they try to take this argument and say, well, look, if you know this was in the lineage of Yeshua. Through Joseph and why, you know, then how can you get to Yeshua? I thought this is just breaking the word of the Lord because supposedly he's in the same family lineage where you're like, that prophecy was specifically for Quanaya and his immediate direct descendants, not for anybody thereafter within that family line. You know, does that make sense? So it's kind of a, a just classic anti missionary argument that takes things out of its context and uh, tries to apply it where it shouldn't be applied. Hopefully it's a decent answer for it, brother. I'll take just a couple more questions tonight, guys, and I'm going to jump off. And let me see here. All right. Costel Nicotian is asking, brother, does the son know the hour of his second coming? And his first coming, he said, only the father knows any thoughts. Thank you. Um, I personally don't, I, I don't think the son or the angels know, just like the angels were already in heaven when Yeshua was on the ground making that statement. So just because Yeshua goes to heaven now, it's not like I don't think he's going to get that information either. I think that personally, I think it's just something that the Father's keeping close to the vest, right? He's just something he only wants him to know because he's, he's surprising the enemy with it. Um, and uh, I just, you know, I don't know how communication works in heaven, but I do know Job 1 and 2 tells us that Azazel, Satan, can go to the Father and present himself with the other angels before the Father. So I don't, I don't know if it's simply a, a, as, as a matter of the Father, if he told all the angels in heaven the exact time and date, if he could trust them to come down and, and to keep that a secret, right? Because we already saw rebellious angels in the past kind of um, fail their mission to come down and, and do righteous judgment amongst mankind, right? this We see this in the days of Enoch with the rebellious angels. Um, and I, so all I'm saying is I don't know how communication happens in the heavens, But I'm going to go ahead and take the son's word that that's a lasting standard until the actual day of the Lord happens, that only the father knows the day and the hour of uh, when he's going to blow that seventh trumpet and send his son to the earth to rout the wicked out of the earth and create peace on the earth. Hopefully that's a decent answer for everyone. Um, Sunday day I've talked about this in the past and I understand I, I wanted to really bad guys. I've even she they're asking about my kingdom cast uh, broadcast that I did where I broke down the one of the Marvel movie. And I've wanted to do this with multiple other movies, but in fact, I, I like on YouTube. I like movie reaction channels. I like movie review channels. I think those are great. It's fun to see guys sitting around talking about the movie and having I would love to actually do that with brothers in the faith. I just don't have time, and so what happened with that video that night is I played too much of it. YouTube has strict copyright uh, requirements, and I played too much of it during the live broadcast. They actually stopped my broadcast, and they they not only demonetized that video, but you can't even find it anymore on my main channel. Um, they turned it off, so to speak, right? They they made it um, unwatchable to anybody else because I played too much copyrighted content from Marvel Studios. Uh, to show and to expound upon and to talk. And that's why when you watch movie review channels, you only see like two to three snippets and and they're going through the whole movie doing their movie review. And it can it can be an hour worth of a movie review, but the time it takes them to do that, I don't have that kind of time. The time it takes them to all the editing involved behind the scenes to go in and snip out two or three seconds specifically for your commentary and what you need to do. I just don't have the guys if if you not if you're not making youtube videos you don't you're not aware of the work that goes into certain types of productions for certain types of videos that type of video a movie review that stays within youtube's requirements for copyright is it takes a lot of time that's why many of those channels if they if they're a huge channel and they have a lot of followers like hundreds of thousands of followers they have the money to hire an actual video editor right so they can be doing that while they're working on other projects if they don't, they usually put out like one video a week because it takes so long to do that. I don't have that kind of time. You wouldn't see any other videos from me. You, we wouldn't be able to talk about any other things and that my channel would just devolve into a movie review channel. So unfortunately um, I would love in the future to be able to do that kind of stuff. I'm just not set up for it right now. So I apologize. Particle Sun uh, asking about release date for Josh. Like, no, we don't because uh, there's a lot of other factors going into it. We're working with uh, uh, there's been some transition with um, our brother Ken's schedule with his work schedule and what how when and how he can do videos. And so you know, as you guys know, we do that that show together. And so this is every time you see me on film with someone else, guys. There's hours and hours of coordination behind the scenes for us to be able to know what we're going to talk about um like uh, me prep everything to make it as simple as possible forever for someone else to come on and talk and if and if that's just if it's a guest that is is like sometimes you see on the tour portions you see a guest come on but other times when i'm doing joint videos with other people it's there's just a lot of prep in the behind the scenes for both people's schedules for them sometimes we do uh Meetings beforehand to talk about what, we're, like we just don't get on here and spitball, guys. Rarely do, rarely do I have people. And if and when you see the, the tour portions where you see a different guest come on, they, I've already sent them all my notes and all my talking points, so they're not getting on and just shooting from the hip either. We, I, I'm trying to be um, as responsible as I can with this channel and with what you guys see and hear me say, and what what is presented on this channel so that you guys can take something away from it to show friends and family. So as a result of that, there's a lot of prep that goes into a lot of these shows. And, um, and so, yeah, that's unfortunately with Ken's schedule, some things have been changing up and we just haven't had time to prepare for that particular thing. And I think we'd actually announced and talked about, we're gonna make it uh, the season opener for season four um, because we just haven't had time. It's such a huge book. We haven't had time to give it justice like we want to. Um. yes ease up thoughts yeah just keep you know stay tuned for future episodes of honor of kings we're going to be talking about we're going to be reviewing a whole bunch more books we just have to get to them so Oh, Tony Mack, I appreciate the super chat. Thank you so much. Saying, um, I just want to say thank you for the video teachings. I'll start with the road to rescue and I've continued watching. this. helped me understand scripture. You and Lindsay are in my prayers. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, appreciate that. Yeah, in fact, if you like the road to rescue, our new series, Kingdom Come, I almost named it the road to rescue continued or the road to rescue two or whatever, um, because that basically is an extenuation of the road to rescue. So the Road to Rescue is, um, I'm going to be using elements that we talked about in Road to Rescue within new episodes of Kingdom Come and and expound further upon it. So, yeah. Thank you for your kind words and your support. Appreciate it. Scott Mavicker, hey, I really appreciate you, brother. Um, and I, I same thing, right? Same thing like with Ken. It just depends on people's schedules. When people are available, this has been a busy season with all the feasts in the past few months. Matthew's been unavailable, and so it's um yes, we would, we're definitely going to be doing shows together in the future, as far as I understand. And we just you have to coordinate. it's just it's not as easy as hey, let's do a show this week. You know, it's not everybody can do that um because they. He, I mean, people have regular jobs in addition to trying to do a pastor a church or trying to you know make videos on the side. So. As soon as we have the opportunity, we do plan to, to do more shows together. Um, guys, I, I'm going to cut out for tonight. I've got um, a family waiting on me outside. So I just want to thank you guys all for being here and for being patient with me while we're trying to work through tef- technical difficulties this week with some of the broadcasts as I travel. But uh, you guys are awesome. And uh, just keep you know keep pressing on and sharing the gospel of the kingdom, right? Share the good news. what's going to come and how the world will will have peace once finally and forever so this is what we look forward to we look forward to our our, the return of our messiah and the hope of our resurrection and uh, we just share the good news in the meantime so thank you guys so much for being here and we hope that you have a wonderful night